Now I want you to get your bu- uh, bulletin down and I want you to look at the sermon. It says, trusting God when it hurts, Habakkuk. Well, you might as well forget about that, okay? Because I'm not preaching that this morning. You know, this is so unusual for me because I'm the kind of guy I'm regimented. I know what I'm going to preach. I believe in expository preaching, so I preach through books of the Bible, chapter, verse at a time, that sort of thing. And um, so I usually know what I'm going to preach, when I'm going to preach it. But this work, uh, this week, starting Monday, I got sick. I got a virus. And for most of the week, uh, I was suffering from this virus. And uh, I had plenty of time to think. And God laid on my heart a different message this morning. And it comes from the book of Zechariah. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4. We aren't going to read um, the verses that, um, um, we aren't going to read all the verses. But uh, if you turn to your, the book of Zechariah, if I can find it myself, is the next to the last book in the Bible, Zechariah chapter 4. That's where we will be uh, this morning, Zechariah chapter 4. And today... I want to talk about small things. I want to talk about small things. Small things to man, but not small things to God. Because God doesn't have small things. I don't know if you've recognized that in your own life. There are no small things to God. There are to men. There are to people. But they're certainly not to God. In the year 1899, a 17-year-old boy named Robert Goddard climbed a tree in his backyard and his life was forever changed. Looking up in the stars, he imagined how wonderful it would be to make a rocket that was large enough to reach the moon and beyond. He wrote in his diary these words that very same day. He says, when I climbed down from that tree, my life was suddenly changed and filled with hope and purpose. Young Robert was a very smart young man, and he grew up to become a physicist and an inventor and started working on his lifelong dream of making a rocket large enough to to reach the moon. Well, he had many failures, you know, many failures. And when his missiles failed, people would laugh and and say, Robert, how goes that moon-going rocket? You can imagine the laughter. When he launched his first liquid-fuel rocket that reached an altitude of 41 feet in March of, of 1926, people didn't take him serious. In fact, they, they laughed and called him Mooney. That was his nickname. Then in 1929, Robert Goddard successfully launched an 11-foot liquid-fuel missile. Now, how did the public react? Well, the headlines in the local newspaper that covered the story, it read this way. Moon rocket misses target by 280 238,799 and one-half miles. You know, people thought Robert Goddard was one big joke. And his rocket was a small thing. 
But thanks to his effort, thanks to his intelligence, his work, and his research, we have sent rockets to the moon and back and beyond. Just a small thing. Just a small thing. Well, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says, For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. Let's read that again. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. I think it would be helpful, of course, to look at the background of that prophecy. Five centuries before the birth of Jesus Christ, the children of Israel returned from exile in Babylon to find Jerusalem in ruins and their beloved temple destroyed. Zerubbabel was the primary leader who led the children of Israel back there to the land of promise. And under his leadership, the people began to rebuild the temple. The foundation was quickly laid. But because of fierce opposition from the surrounding area, the temple was not complete. For 16 long years, the temple lay unfinished. You know, we can only imagine if we try to place ourselves in Zerubbabel's shoes. We can imagine the discouragement he must have felt working 16 long years and never being able to complete the job that he was given to do. I'm sure he felt like a failure. I'm sure he, he felt like it was a big waste of time and effort. <clears throat> then one day, one day the word of the Lord comes to the prophet Zechariah, and he has a message for Zerubbabel. And this is what we read in chapter 4, verse 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now what was God saying? Really what God is doing, he's assuring Zerubbabel. He's assuring Zerubbabel that the temple will be finished. It will be completed, but not by human might and power but by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. Zechariah's prophecy continues in verse 7. He says, Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone. That's the very top stone there in the pinnacle of the temple. He shall bring forth forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. In that day, mountains were seen as obstacles. Now, the obstacles that really was standing in the way for the temple to be finished was opposition from the people in the land. And Zechariah is saying that all these obstacles which are standing in the way for the temple's completion will be completely removed. He is saying that great mountain will be leveled as a plain. And then the prophecy continues in verse 9. He says, the, hand, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me 
to you. So Zechariah is saying, Zerubbabel laid the foundation of the temple, and he is going to be the one who completes it. Finishing the temple seemed like a mountain of a task. But by the power of God, that mountain would become what? A molehill. Something very insignificant. And God's temple would be complete. Then Zechariah concludes his prophecy with these words. And that's our major text today in verse 10. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. You know, I love history and I just love being able to just recollect what it was like in that day. And I'm sure that the Jews who passed by that unfinished temple looked with disdain at that unfinished project. You know, by 16 years, just think of all the disarray that had taken place around that project. All the grass and the weeds and the trash and all of this. And, and, and it was a real eyesore. And I'm sure the people that saw it, the Jews who passed by, saw it and, and said, what an eyesore. But Zerubbabel was saying, these same people will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel going back to work and getting the job done. In verse 10, the word despise, it means to consider small and insignificant. People considered the unfinished work of that temple a small thing. But it wasn't to God. Why? Because God was in it. God was in it. People didn't see it, but God was in it. And when God is in it, it's no small thing. God was going to finish the temple. You know, that really brings us to a truth in Scripture that we see running all the way through from the Old Testament to the New Testament. What God begins, He always finishes. You know, that, that's just a truth of Scripture that we need to be reminded of. And, and it's a personal encouragement to me because I don't always finish what I start out to do. I start out to do things, but for some reason I don't finish, don't get around to it. My attentions might be good, but maybe I don't have the time or the, or the knowledge or the endurance to finish the task. But that's not true with God. What God starts, He always finishes. Let me just give you a little example that's always been an encouragement to me. You know, I love that passage in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, this is what Paul says. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. I want you to notice two words here. Began and completion. Begin and finish. God who began a good work in you will finish it. Now see, God began a good work in us, that work of salvation, the moment we put our hope in Jesus. The very moment we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, at that very moment, He declared us righteous in His sight. He gave us a right standing before God. That's justification. That's the beginning. Since then, 
He's been doing the work of sanctification. And the work of sanctification is that progressive work that God is doing in your life and my life, conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. And that's a lifelong process that God is doing in your life and my life. Then at the rapture, Jesus is going to complete our salvation. In other words, he's going to finish the job. That's glorification. Then we will be perfectly conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We're going to get a new body, a glorified body, and we're going to be perfect in Jesus Christ. What God begins, when did it begin? Justification. The moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, what God begins, He finishes. Glorification. You know what that is? That's eternal security. You know, people ask me, do you really believe once saved, always saved? I said, I do with all my heart. Not because it's a Baptist doctrine, but because it's a biblical doctrine. Now, not all people who say that they're saved are really saved. Now, I know that's true, and you do too. But those whom God truly saves, He will complete that salvation when Jesus Christ returns. What God begins... He always finishes. Boy, that's a great truth. I just wanted to share that with you. Don't despise the day of small things. That's another way of saying it. Don't despise the day of small things. Now, I want us to think back, okay? I want us to think back 235 years ago to the year 1784, okay? 1784. I want to just share some of the historical things that took place in 1784. Number one, the Treaty of Paris was ratified, officially ending the American Revolutionary War. Peace with Great Britain officially uh, took place that year. That same year, 1784, John Wesley organized the Methodist Church. That same year, 1784, Nancy Lincoln, the mother of Abraham Lincoln, was born. That same year, Zachary Taylor, the 12th president of the United States, was born. That same year, Wassamasaw Baptist Church was born. You know, folks, I can only imagine the excitement it was for the founding fathers of our church who huddled together that day or that evening in prayer, Bible reading, very near this very same spot, seeking the blessing of God to organize a house of worship. Just a, just a small band of people, probably no more than 30 or 40, forming a small wilderness church in This was a wilderness. You know, our church must have seemed very small to them on that day. You know, our church must have seemed very small to those large churches in Charleston with their high steeples reaching towards heaven, but not to God. So here we are, what, 235 years later? Still small, really, in the eyes of the world but big in the eyes of God. And big as ever 
in our commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, folks, I believe that Zachariah's message is as much God's message to us today as it was to Jerubbabel. Do not despise the day of small things. I think God is saying, don't despise it. Don't despise where we are right now. Don't despise the fact that we have an unfinished billing over here. And, and uh, you know, don't say, you know, what a mess. When will it ever get finished? Don't, don't despise what God is doing here. Because God is at work among us. It's no question about it. And say, so God, He delights in taking the small things. And using those small things to accomplish something only He can do. You know, we see that truth throughout the Bible, don't we? The rod of Moses was a small thing, but God used it to deliver a nation. (laughs) Gideon's army was a small thing, no more than 300 in number, but God used it to conquer the mighty uh, Midianite army. The jawbone in Samson's hand was a small thing, but God used it to slay a thousand Philistines. The sling in that rock, that smooth stone in David's hand, was a small thing, but God used it to kill a giant. That baby born in a filthy stable in Bethlehem seemed to the people in that day, I'm sure, as a small thing, but God used it to bring the Savior into the world. A band of 12 ragtag Jews chosen by Jesus to be disciples seemed to be a small thing. But God used them to turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. The five loaves and two small fish was a small thing. But God used it to feed a multitude. You know, time and time again, God has taken the small things, the little things, the seemingly insignificant things to accomplish His great purposes. Never underestimate the small things because they're powerful in the hand of God. Never underestimate the small deeds of kindness and little gestures of love Those little things that make a huge difference in people's lives. Never underestimate God's ability to take even our failures, our messes, our mistakes, and use them for our ultimate good and His glory. Don't forget about Romans 8.28. All things do work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So God's power can take the small things and use them to accomplish great things. So God wants Zerubbabel to know that the temple will be rebuilt, but not by might, not by human grit and determination. The temple will be rebuilt, but not by power, not by human ability and intellect. The temple will be rebuilt by the power and might of the Spirit of God. Say, God will supernaturally empower the workers, giving them divine wisdom to complete and finish 
the work. And what God did for Zerubbabel, he does for us today. Don't you see, God's going to finish that work over there. Do you believe it? He's going to do it, and he's going to use us in that work. You know, just think about what God has already done over there. God used Morton Builders to erect the shell of that building. And I'm so thankful for those four, four men from West Constant who spent, what, three, three or four weeks out there bringing up that building. God used 60 men from Carpenters for Christ who started with just an empty slab, cement slab, and worked for eight and a half days and got us basically where we are today. And, and the work goes on, and, and workers are still working over there to finish the work, and it will be complete. It will be finished. And it will be finished in his time. And it will be finished in his way. You know, when the Spirit of God goes to work in a life, great things happen. Great things happen. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just so weak. If you let God use your weakness and empower you, he will make you what you need to be, and he will give you the power to accomplish what he wants you to accomplish. Maybe you're discouraged because things haven't gone right in your life. Maybe you're defeated because some sin habit is just plaguing you day after day after day. Maybe you're heartbroken because of some personal problem, some family problem, a marriage, whatever, and you just don't know what to do. Maybe you're afraid because of some illness that has maybe invaded your life or someone you love, and, and you don't know what the future holds. You really don't. You know, God's help comes when we abandon ourselves and cast ourselves wholly on God. That's what Zechariah is saying, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He is saying, no, you can't, but I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 says that, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. I think what Paul is saying is that God delights in using our weakness and our weaknesses because he gets all the glory when good things happen. The great missionary Hudson Taylor was once asked, why do you think God chose you to start China Inland Mission? This is what he said. This is how he replied. He says, God picked someone weak like me so that when God does a great work, everyone will know that God did it. (laughs) And how true that is. God can take the little things and accomplish big things. God doesn't need your ability Just your availability. Let me ask you, what mountains are you facing in your life? You know, what obstacles are out there? God can can move those mountains. And he can turn those mountains 
those obstacles, those mountains into molehills if we just allow him to do it. When the Spirit of God goes to work in a church, great things happen. Now, the task before our church might seem to be like a mountain. You know, our vision is to reach our world and our community for Jesus and disciple them one person at a time. Impossibility? Well, not with God. Not with God. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if we were able to move into our new building debt-free? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Impossible? Not with God. You know, God planted this wonderful church 235 years ago to be a lighthouse for God. In fact, the name Wasamasaw is an Indian name which probably means connecting waters. And this community has drastically changed over the last 235 years, but God's mission has not changed. God has called us to connect people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what our church is all about. That's our vision. That's what God has called us to do. And with God's help, we're going to do just that. We're going to be the conduit to connect people to Jesus, to reach our community and our world for Jesus and disciple them one person at a time. Let me ask you, will you join us? Will you join God in what he wants to do? in our lives, in our churches, in our church, in the days ahead? Well, if we're going to join Him, we must start where we are today and not despise the day of small things. Now let me give some examples. Don't despise the small thing of prayer because God uses it, what, to change lives, people's hearts. Don't despise the thing of service because God uses it to teach and minister and encourage God's people don't despise the the uh, the service and ministry in the nursery taking care of our babies because God uses it to take care of his little ones don't despise the thing of Bible reading and Bible study because God uses it to transform lives Don't despise the small thing of sharing the gospel because God uses it to reach the lost and to save those without Him. Don't despise the small thing of worship and preaching and church attendance and singing the songs of praise because God uses it to build up His church and equip us for His kingdom service. Don't despise the small things of tithing and offering. Because God uses it to support his work here and around the world. And don't despise the small things of loving your wives and respecting your husbands and obeying your parents. Because God uses it to bring, to build strong homes for Christ in his church and his community. Don't despise the day of small things. And if we view these small things as God sees it, we will see his hand at work among us. 
And we will rejoice. We will rejoice. You know, there's one other thing about small things that I want to say. You know, I think about what Jesus said about faith. Did Jesus say that it takes big faith to move a mountain? Or little faith? Little faith. He says it takes the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain, to move obstacles. I think God has called us to be men and women of faith. Trust him for the big things, you know. But it just takes small faith. Because it's not how much faith we have, it's who we have our faith in that really matters. And my friend, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God and you're just wondering, you know, how can I, how can I come to know God? How can I have a relationship with Him? You know, Jesus says it just takes a little faith. You know, I think about Peter. He cried out, Lord, um, I believe, help my unbelief. It just takes a little faith. To save you because it's not how much faith we have, it's who we have our faith in. And my friend, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what I encourage you to do is is to place your faith in the one who can save you. Place your faith in the one who died on the cross and rose again from the dead to provide salvation for you, and that's Jesus Christ. Just cry out to him. Lord, I believe. Help my doubts and my unbelief. So my friend, if you're here today, I encourage you to put your trust and faith in Jesus if you've never put your faith in him before. And if you do that, he will save you. Because the Bible says he is able to save all those to the uttermost who put their faith in him. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your word here this morning. Lord, we're so thankful that nothing is really little in your sight if you're in it. And Lord, um, we thank you so much that you're at work here at Wasmussel Baptist Church. We know that. We've seen your hand at work. And we thank you for that. And we pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we would join together. And Lord, that we would, um, that we would turn to you as we've never turned to you before. And trust you for all that you want to accomplish in and among us. Lord, as we, as we look at that unfinished building out there, Lord, we know that that's not a little thing to you. It's something that, that you're going to finish and you're going to, and you are at work right now. We thank you for that. And Lord, you're going to use us to be a part of that. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful in our gifts, that we would be faithful in our prayers as we see this job finished. And we know, Lord, that it's not going to be accomplished by our own might and our own determination strength. But, Lord, it's going to be finished by your power and grace. We thank you for that. 
Lord, I pray here for anyone who is struggling and and um, and and really um, um, discouraged and depressed. And uh, Lord, I pray that that you can even take that in their lives if they turn to you and use it for great good and your glory. And Lord, I pray for any here today that never embrace Christ as Savior. And Lord, I pray that, that they would turn and realize that, that they can take their mustard seed of faith and place that and direct that towards Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you will save. And we thank you for that. And we pray all of this in the holy name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen.